Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. This is Jim Nolan, and I welcome you to another edition of Hope Talks, a podcast built on the premise that each person has a story waiting to be told, a teachable moment for the rest of us. With us in conversation today is Doug Leeds, a commercial real estate developer who has had a hand in major shopping malls around the country and in his spare time as an active leader in the Columbus Jewish community has helped numerous families in his capacity as a Red Cross disaster relief coordinator. As we begin our conversation with a new year unfolding in a country daring to be hopeful again after months of pandemic pain and economic calamity, I find myself remembering what one rabbi once said, you know, the Jewish people invented hope. He was making that comment, I think, in the context of how the word remember is repeated so often in the Hebrew Bible. The idea of never forgetting pain and suffering of the past is a way of focusing on the hope of tomorrow, the hope for the future. So maybe we can begin there, Doug. Is that what's unique about the Jewish notion of hope or is it something else? When I think of the word hope in Passover, Passover there is a prayer of the hope to be in the promised land next year, the hope to be in Israel. And to that um, is Aliyah. To make Aliyah is it's the law of return. It was created in uh, 1950, and it allows any Jew in the world a path to return to Israel and become a citizen. Uh, I, as it goes, you can call as a, uh, an embassy anywhere in the world and tell them you want to return uh, to Israel as a Jew, and they will provide you a one-way ticket, of course, on El Al Airlines, since it's state-owned, <laughs> and uh, you, it's the law of return. So it's the hope to be in the promised land. Um, so that, that word, that really jumps out to me that uh, during Passover, the, the hope to be in the promised land. And actually, as to Aliyah, uh, we have friends that we've grown up with and moved back to his, moved to Israel. My daughter lived there for a year and met her future husband. Uh, we took our kids to Israel. My son was bar mitzvah there. And, and actually, you know, there are uh, sects of, in Israel of African Jews that they were found and they were following the Torah. They were following, uh, you know, Jewish principles and they returned them to Israel. I think it's just kind of a, uh, it's a unique thing and not many places want me, but it's nice to know I'm welcome there. Oh, the lure of home, as it were. Yeah, I think when you hear uh, African-Americans talk about going to Africa, and they say as soon as they get there, they feel uh, it, it, welcome. They right. feel at home. Same for a Jew, an American Jew, to, to go to Israel. You know, as, as a seminary student, 
I was always taken with the multi-layered nuances of the Hebrew language. So I'm wondering, is there a particular, is there a particular Hebrew word uh, for hope that has something to teach the rest of us? For me, it's, um, well, for me, tikkun olam is, it's, uh, Definition is to heal the world, to repair the world. You know, I when you talk about hope, I I often think, and I'm envious of my Catholic friends, that uh, you know they will have a, a, a spiritual life that will continue. And Judaism is very ambiguous as to any afterlife. Uh, it's really kind of a like Gestalt therapy, it's living in the now. Uh, Judaism to me is kind of like uh, March Madness basketball. It's one and done. Uh, <laughs> I'm here, and I know that you know. Ultimately, I'll just be footprints in the sand. It's the to, to kunalan to to repair the world, to mend the world. It's to do like sadaka, which is charity, philanthropy. It's social justice. It's why I'm involved with the Red Cross. Um, and it drives a lot of what I do. Say a little more about that. How does it drive what you do? Well, I guess the uh, there was a Leo Ralston uh, expression. The purpose of life is not to be happy, but to matter to be productive, to be useful, to have it made some difference that you lived it all. Um, in 1996, my mother died. And for a number of months, I was in that dark place that uh, games weren't fun and candy wasn't sweet and jokes weren't funny. And uh, I had to get out of that. And I reached out to the Red Cross and became involved in this disaster services. It was also important to me as I had young children for them to see that there was more to life than just buying more cars and bigger houses. What led you to the Red Cross specifically? I had a friend that lived in Homestead, Florida, and he lost his home and business in Hurricane Andrew in the early 90s. And I flew down immediately afterwards to help him start, start to sort things out. And I think I stepped on a nail and suddenly here were these Red Cross people and they bandaged us up and they gave us food and drink and medical stuff. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so that was a part of the inspiration. Uh, also for me, inspiration, it was a, a group at the temple as I was a child, young boy, that the Brotherhood. Well, the Brotherhood was a group of older guys that I think they got together every Tuesday or Wednesday night in a room at the temple and, and played cards and drank and smoked cigars and camaraderie. And, and then on Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas, they would cook food and they would take it to the police stations and the firehouses. And I always, I always thought that was cool. I always, that was inspiration. 
Um, you know, the Easter is not our holiday. Christmas is not our holiday. Right. And, but to do for others at that time. So the last well, near 25 years, I've always been on call for Christmas and Easter on holidays um, to uh, respond to disasters, typically fires. How has the your concept of, of hope um, directed you in these past months as all of us have struggled through uh, the pandemic and uh, periods of isolation and disconnectedness? Yeah, I guess because of my Red Cross disaster services DNA, it's it, it was more the, the hope of preparation of doing the right things. It wasn't necessarily a spiritual based uh, a driver. Um, it was in preparation, which is really what we've done or I've done with the Red Cross all these years. You prepare for the worst and you hope for the best. Are there stories from your uh, or incidents that come to mind from from your experience in, in uh, helping so many families in, in difficult situations that that maybe illustrate what you're talking about? Yeah, uh, that's that's a driver. That's the inspiration. Um, you know, people they don't the Red Cross. We are called it twenty four seven, and we go to fires and disasters. And while they would give someone from Bexley or Arlington or Dublin the same level of assistance, everyone gets it the same amount based upon you know the level of the. Uh, fire disaster. Um, people in, in uh, these neighborhoods I just mentioned, you know, I, we seldom get called there. And when we do, and we talk to the our clients, which are the uh, victims of the fire, and I'll say, geez, do you have any idea of what you're going to do? And they'll say, yeah, you know, we're going to go to the Hampton Inn, and I'm going to call the insurance guy tomorrow, or we're going to go to a relative's house, and we'll start figuring this out. Well, we get, there are so many people in this world that in our country that have fallen through the crack of life and they don't have insurance. They don't have savings. Right. And when suddenly I'm there and it's four o'clock in the morning and they've lost everything and they have no insurance, minimal income. And, and, you know, I've been with people actually in the hospital and and they've lost everything. They have no safety net. They have nothing. And they'll they'll say to me, and I remember a woman saying to me, I've got this. I've got this. And I'm like, mm. what are you talking about? And she went on to tell me about her beliefs and her spiritual beliefs and uh, whatever God, Lord. And I would I would just walk away going, Goodness, I want some of that. <laughs> Where do you find that? I mean, it's inspiring. You know, when you meet someone with the, the, such strong convictions, I guess you come back to that hope, you know, that they will be fine. And I just, I'm awed by that. It's something I wish I could buy. Um, I think it's, um, it keeps me going when I hear that. You know, to meet those folks that, that have that level of uh, inspiration and and belief. 
What about in your business life, in your professional life? How is that sense of, uh, of hope for tomorrow guided you? Uh, it's just like to, I would be involved in projects and shopping malls and strip center development around the country that you could work on project day after week, after month, after year, and it may never come to fruition, but you worked on it. You know, you did everything you were supposed to, but for whatever reasons, uh, financing, zoning, commitments, uh, it did not come to fruition, but it becomes then just that commitment to continue on, uh, you, albeit with the disappointment, to uh, continue doing the right things, continue the work. What, uh, what do you think you've learned? What do you feel that you've learned from all this disparate collection of experiences what has living in hope taught you i think it's just the commitment on a daily basis to to do the work um again the takana alam to repair the world to to mend the world to continue to do good things um and to continue on in that, in that vein. Repair and mend. That's certainly uh, uh, some key words that a lot of us could, uh, could lean into in this uh, difficult time that we still find ourselves in. Well, we all need to reach across the table to, um, Try to bring people together. I will. Uh, I've made a commitment to my kids and and others that that's really the goal of the years to come, uh, because we've got a lot of work to do. We've got healing to do, and that will be part of my. We we've also just crapped all over the the uh, environment, and I'm guilty. You know, I'm part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy that. Uh, flew on private jets with two people, you know, and, and we traveled at the drop of a hat and we bought bigger cars and houses and developments and we all wanted that. And now uh, I'm retired and see that uh, the value of it is diminished and uh, we've got to repair the, the environment. I'm committed to that. Do the best I can. Wow. Do you ever get tired, tired of living in hope, tired of picking up the next thing and, you know, one step at a time? I guess everybody, yeah, yes is the answer. And, you know, then I recharge my batteries through my friendships and, and even my, the volunteering gives back to me. Uh, two years ago, I was on call before the pandemic, 1,200 hours, and uh, I do that and I get back. It's not about just giving. It helps fill my engine back up. That puts gas in to me and to my system. So you're a classic story of renewable energy. 
<laughs> I haven't bought one of those cars with a plug yet, but I'll <laughs> sure look into it. Well, it sounds like your plug, the the uh, the wall charger for you is is the core of your faith. Yes, sir. Any final words as we wrap up our conversation here today, my brother? You know, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you leading up to this and doing it. I certainly wish you the best in this podcast endeavor. Well, we appreciate that. And I wish you shalom in all the broad sense of that word. And I thank you for sharing your insights with us on Hope Talks. For those listening, if you have a hope-filled story to share or know of someone who does, drop us a line at hopetalks at davidsucc.net. Blessings to all. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope.